Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Matt Report Podcast, hopefully becoming your home for all things, I don't know, WordPress, digital consultant, going through this transformative process in my life. <laughs> Probably like many of you through this COVID, like, I don't know, this thing's changed, like you, your work is limited, your time is limited, you start to uncover, I don't know, either new opportunities or just things uh, unearthed, and uh, certainly the case for me. Let's get down to business. I am brought on David Dark. Not only did he have a great outreach email, by the way, uh, which is so important. It's not, it wasn't even an email, it was a Twitter DM. Uh, I get asked to be on the show quite often, not to tout my own horn there, but a lot of people just come with like this request to access my audience, which I protect so much. And David had a great, you know, very casual pitch. Hey, I have this great thing I'd love to talk about. I think you are listeners would like. And he runs an agency. It's called Atomic Smash. He's been running it for uh, just over a decade now. It's out in the UK, so uh, just across the pond for me, or maybe right down the street from you, depending on where you're listening to this. And he has this process of connecting with customers, and especially, especially connecting with customers through this pandemic. A lot of people uncertain with their, their digital work, right? Whether you're an agency or a freelance or a consultant, some of your clients may have just either shut down or just tightened the budget a bit. And he has this continuous integration process. It's not even continuous integration. I'm not going to give it away. You're going to have to listen to the show. <laughs> uh, it's the secret sauce, but communication, communication, communication. And uh, just a fantastic episode for those of you who want better process for your consultancy or your practice. MattReport.com, MattReport.com, slash subscribe to join the email list. Five-star review on iTunes. Man, if you just have a second, please do that. All right, let's say thanks to our sponsors. First sponsor of the day is LockdownSEO.com. Lockdown, lock with an E, LockdownSEO.com. He's a returning sponsor. Can't thank him enough for all of the support for the new Matt Report season, uh, supporting not only the show, but 20% of it goes to a big orange heart. Look, I've been talking about John Locke for quite some time. Prolific SEOer. He has an awesome YouTube channel. Search for him on YouTube, John Locke. You'll find him there. Does some great informative videos on SEO, tweets about SEO. And his company, Lockdown SEO, I've been telling you about him. He helps manufacturers, uh, contractors get more RFQs to their businesses. But I said, John, I've been saying this for so long now. Give me something else. <laughs> Give me something else to talk about. And he said, and I'm just going to read you the direct message from Twitter right here. He said, Matt, if you don't mind, let people know that I can help them with local SEO, contract manufacturers, contractors, other businesses. We can help them rank higher in Google and get more leads from their website. Each client gets a custom package. We assess what needs to be improved, content, website, link profile, and we make those changes to move them up in the rankings. Rankings obviously being so darn important. That was my aside. If they don't want to invest in a larger project, we can do in-depth SEO audits that give them a checklist of things they can do on their own to improve the rankings. Now, I don't know how many contractors and manufacturers listen to this podcast, but if certainly you're a consultant, you're a web designer, you're a content marketer, and all of a sudden somebody comes to you from that industry, you don't know what to do with them. Reach out to John Locke at LockdownSEO.com. Even if you you know want to own the relationship, which we totally understand and we totally respect, well, maybe one of these audits John can do 
maybe you can just pay him directly and then you can transfer that to your customer. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm not speaking for John. I'm just speaking of hypotheticals here. John's a great guy. I'm sure there's different ways to work with him. LockdownSEO.com. Lock with an E. LockdownSEO.com. John, thanks for supporting the show. Next up, ElegantMarketplace.com. ElegantMarketplace.com. There's a big thing happening soon with how WordPress.org is going to uh, support premium plugins and themes. In other words, how the volunteers will interact with people posting questions on the WordPress.org forum. And it's going to have a pretty big impact on premium products, plugins and themes. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but, you know, things are changing. Things are changing from those big marketplaces, you know, the big names you don't really want to say. But Elegant Marketplace... WordPress theme and plugin marketplace, whether you work from an office, a coffee shop, or you're currently working from home, we have the right tool for you. Here at Elegant Marketplace, we have plugins, themes, layouts for your favorite WordPress-based sites. They do a lot with Divi, that I know for sure. Divi and WordPress plugins, Divi child themes, Divi layouts, but now they're getting into Elementor. I say now, but I'm just saying now as of this reading, they've probably been in Elementor for quite some time, but you can get Elementor page builder plugins, layouts, and themes at elegantmarketplace.com. I'm always looking for a great place to find alternative stuff, right? I, I mean, I really only look at wordpress.org these days and I love looking through a lot of the inventory that Elegant Marketplace has. Check them out, elegantmarketplace.com, elegantmarketplace.com. Thanks for supporting the show. So I co-started an agency called Atomic Smash. We're a primarily a WordPress agency. When we started out, we were a bit scattershot with kind of what we were doing. And we kind of fell into using WordPress as our sort of vault content management system. And and it really sort of took off from there. We we tried a multiple, multitude of different things. We tried Magento. We tried a whole load of stuff. But as soon as we started using WordPress and really uh, kind of got into the community, it really just paid dividends for us massively. And as an agency, we've grown over the last 10 years. We Where we first started, was just two of us. Now there's 14. Hopefully there'll be 15 or 16 of us by the end of the year. And yeah, for us, just using WordPress day to day has been just really, really beneficial. I think the real key part to when we started with that sort of scattershot approach, we didn't really have a, any sort of niche or any sort of I don't know, direction when it came to how we found our clients, the way we work with our clients or anything. And, and the real thing that's been good to us recently has been the way we work with our clients in this sort of continuous basis. Yeah. And I, mean, I can go on further. Do you have any questions at this point or any other bits just to roll into? Let's just jump right into the fire about WordPress. This is something that's fresh on my mind. I was listening to an interview uh, from another podcast of an infamous, not a famous, an infamous uh, <laughs> individual in the WordPress space who builds a product and he's been building WordPress products for quite some time. And, and he was really just beating up WordPress's code base, the community, the approach and all this stuff. Now, here's a guy who started early, early days selling a premium theme. And he, and he's on this very popular podcast, really just saying, boy, in his words, WordPress code base sucks. WordPress is terrible. Yet you're out there making a living selling WordPress products. And in my own Twitter feed, I see people constantly saying things like, hey, check out this flat file CMS. Check out this Jamstack thing. You know, and I sat down the other day and I was like, let me give me, let me give one of these CMSs a try. Let me, let me try something else other than WordPress. And it was like, step one, install Composer in your local dev environment. And I said, what? 
I don't even, where do I begin? Like, then I started looking at local dev environments and then I'm down that rabbit hole and then I'm back to it. Then it's like, don't forget, you're going to have to have a deploy workflow set up to publish a blog post. And I'm like, I don't want this. So my question to you is, and I'm not foolish, I don't think WordPress is end all be all, but I mean, in your eyes, WordPress is it's here to stay. Like, I, I don't think it's a, it's a bad choice <laughs> and it continues to grow. I mean, obviously we're on a WordPress podcast, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the main part of what WordPress has been able to do is again around that community. And even though there are definite downsides to the way WordPress is set up and in the way it structures its database, there's a lot of things that could be improved. And I guess we'd take a lot of a huge amount of community input to get changed and and actually iterate and 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 do well to to make those move but it's really around the community and and the support which you can get that really sort of sets it apart in my mind when it comes to content management systems um we we actually kind of have a quite a solid development framework which we use which is i guess when you're just talking about composer we actually use composer a lot with wordpress and it's a more of an advanced setup in that regard and even the way we deploy we deploy using a ruby platform called capistrano which uses composer as well if that makes sense to do some of the more enterprise level sites but but for us it's the real key thing to what wordpress does well is has a really great community the editing experience if you manage it well and and you really curate the editing process it's it's really good and it's super simple to get yourself on board even though people kind of struggled with gutenberg at the start and that sort of transitioning process you can we can easily give a gutenberg site to someone who's never really used the web before and they can kind of get to grips with editing a website pretty quickly. And I think that's the key thing for us and the, and the audience we're trying to attract is the people inside businesses that aren't doing this stuff day to day. They aren't, they're not, they're not building their own websites. They just want to edit the content of the websites. They want to sell the thing they're doing. They want to communicate with their audience. They don't want to know how the website works necessarily. They just want to use it and be able to utilize what they're doing day to day. So, so for those people, it is, it's, it's a really valuable tool. Yeah, the the tech cost, the surplus, while, you know, while it may be seemingly high for some, look, if if you're selling WordPress into an organization, it's not just about well, the CMS in that moment of time. It's it's the decision for, you know, I guess most companies or larger organizations might be making this this decision for at minimum for 5 years, yeah. right? So you're you're not just selling WordPress in that moment, you're selling that w- WordPress site to other staff that's going to interface with it. What happens when somebody in that organization leaves and somebody else comes in and they need to relearn like the resources Definitely. available, the education around WordPress is so much greater than Name your favorite Gatsby framework. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing out words here, but like it's just like this thing that just exists. Yeah, um, no, exactly. You know, and even in case- and, and even even from our perspective, most of the clients we've actually worked with have had some sort of WordPress WordPress site before, or they've had a personal blog, or they've they've had some sort of touchstone with it. It hasn't been just this sort of cold thing they just never heard of. And a lot of the time, right. again, we started about ten years ago. At that point, it was almost like a struggle to get people to use WordPress. And they were thinking about Drupal. They were thinking about, I don't know, a custom or they were almost expecting this bespoke thing to be built for them. Whereas now you have people asking for WordPress. It's kind of the market has shifted in that regard to people I've gone from worrying about it as much and thinking of it as this security risk to actually demanding it for their for their project. 
All right. So you and I previously out this crazy world that we live in, the impact that it's had on, you know, freelancers, agency life, our most important our customers, friends and family and all of this fun stuff. I know that you have a particular uh, workflow, a th certain methodology that you have to work with customers. I want to get into that. And I want to get into it through this story of, of, of how you dealt with COVID. Has Atomic been able to stay afloat through all this? How have you been able to support your customers through this? And what has changed that you know, you're now sort of living in this new reality? Yeah, I guess COVID for us was, I think for all agencies, quite a scary time at the very beginning. There's a lot of stress around actually thinking about like how if we needed to adapt and change. And almost our first reaction was just in the first couple of weeks was essentially just testing the water with some different things. We looked at possibly even like how we might adapts into doing more hosting, for example. But the real key thing to the way we work sort of day to day, which has kind of been really good for us, is the level of support contracts we have. We, call, we actually call them continuous iteration contracts. And for us, we have a really high involvement with the, the clients that we work with. We don't work with massive, massive companies, but the companies that we do work for, they, they really see us as... Uh, it's almost like their digital team almost and we're embedded in, in their processes in their in their workflows and all those sort of things so when when COVID hit it was obviously quite a sort of a worrying time but we definitely found that the companies that we did work with they kind of maintained their their sort of continuous contracts and when I say we work with them on that sort of basis we're working almost 10 days a month with some of our clients to constantly change their site to constantly improve them constantly update them and we base our whole scheduling around that so with the idea of our clients are buying a certain amount of time a month and they're getting that amount of time there's no really any sort of overspend from our point of view we're never over delivering on that on that side of side so it really is quite an effective and profitable way of of, of sort of divvying up time and because of that it was quite predictable and how much work we still wanted as long as as long as the clients actually had the appetite for it some of those contracts reduced down in time but have now been brought back up so again it was just sort of compensating internally for for how we actually spend that time but I feel like if we were just a regular agency just going between project to project to project and not having this sort of after service like high level of after service afterwards it would have been very challenging for us because most of those projects would have just halted just because of even communication with teams that have been furloughed or just teams that have other things on their plates. They, they, they've got to deal with COVID themselves and they've got the, all the other process changes they have to worry about. So, so for us, that was super valuable, having this sort of backlog of stuff we could be working for, still billing our, our clients, still sort of tackling the, the challenges, still optimizing, doing all this stuff. And it was less of a worry for us. And, and in fact, we've, in this time, we've been able to actually grow. We've actually had to get another two people to help manage sort of the work and, and the actual structure of how we, how we divvy up the time, for example, just because that's been very, fairly consistent. We kind of fell into this sort of way of working maybe about four or five years ago where we kind of were, were working with a couple of clients that they just needed someone to sort of take the weight off their shoulders for their websites. They really just, they had other stuff to do in their businesses. They had other, other activities, even just generic marketing stuff. They wanted to just not worry about the website. So we offered simple stuff like obviously doing all the WordPress updates, server updates, all those sort of technical side of things but we really started bundling in other stuff like how could you look at optimizing your i don't know sales pipelines or even just optimizing your page speed that's an ongoing task 
in, in our mind, websites are never really finished. So there's always a task to be done if you're willing to um, let your site grow. And, and for us, it's been real key, the idea of if you're just changing your site slightly over a longer period of time, you don't have this massive update every two, three, four years where you're having to drop tens of thousands of dollars or pounds. It, there's just small changes consistently and you can evolve your site in a really smooth and methodical way without these massive lumpy bills of the maybe like three years, for example. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic way to, because that, that's in fact what, what a lot of people, uh, a lot of agencies and consultants, they actually bank on that. It's just like, Hey, in three years, we visit this, you know, and maybe we'll, we'll knock on that customer's door and say, Hey, it's been three years. Like, what do you want to do? But in, in your approach, it's, Hey, we're, we're constantly doing something, even if it's the smallest of changes, just keep the connection made with the customer. But also it's a, it's a great cost savings instead of just doing this all at, you know, we will just do this in iterations too bad. You can't do that with your house. Yeah, you yeah. Start expanding your house. Like every, every so often, like I'm going to build another room now and just like uh, next year we'll build another room off the side. I guess you could. Yeah. Right? But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think we should get to with more stuff. I think for us, the, that key thing of in three years time with the same client, you've got no guarantee that you're even talking to the same manager or the same person who you were talking to initially when you actually did the first site for. So there's no guarantee you'd even get that work in three years time because they might just even right. some some companies especially in a more sort of third sector sort of organization they they might actually require to actually go to tender for a lot of this stuff so there's zero guarantee and mm. and even if, if you can basically skip that step and they've been able to evolve their site over this time there's no even need for that procurement process because you've updated the site with their requirements over that time anyway so it's a definite change and it's also it needs a lot of work in the way of communication. That's a lot of the time, which we, which we, again, it's been a, that sort of struggle of going from a two person agency to having the balls to actually say, right, we actually need to charge for our time effectively and we need to charge for the time we're communicating with you this isn't just like a luxury we're not just we don't talk and then just charge for the development which we're charging for these communication time we're charging for the meetings and all those sort of things and and actual ideation side of stuff um and that that definitely takes a lot of bravery when you're a small agency to really to put yourself forward and say you have to pay for our time we're experts and you have to trust us and pay for pay for our time and then when you get to that stage of of being able to actually really communicate with the clients directly actually scheduling in the time so it's effective the way you work whether it's every month every other week some of our clients we talk to every single week it just has a bit of an overhead when it comes to actually the scheduling side and just just even though being a developer or being a website designer, there definitely is a mental toll of switching between projects and constantly communicating with clients. So there's a lot of things to work out and sort of iron out when it comes to working out a good schedule for these things. But if you're willing to put in the time of and the level of communication with clients, they really love it. And they really just, they almost think of you as a partner then. You're not just this sort of ephemeral team of people somewhere over there that kind of look after your website basically when they've got a new challenge they come straight to you and you're part of the solution as well a lot of people that are starting out in you know they start as a consultant you know and i'll raise my hand guilty as charge you start out as a solo consultant you kind of grow your business over time maybe you partner up with somebody you bring on some uh, small team of people and a lot of people here is like yours or you know listen to this podcast and other podcasts boy how, how did you charge ten thousand dollars for a website how did you charge fifty thousand dollars for how did you charge a hundred thousand mm. dollars for a website and and that's 
that's like, you know, the the interesting question. It's not the right question. To me, the right mm-hmm. question is, how did you find that customer? How did you attract that customer who was with pay that much money? Do you remember somewhere along the, the timeline, comic um, agency of when you started to hit the right cadence of finding the right customer? I'm sure it's probably not an easy answer. I'm probably yeah, sure it's no. like riding a bike. You fell over a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> you balance. It's very much like product development too. you you, you launch something, it doesn't work, you change it and then it works. When did you start hitting the right customer? I think for us, it was really just a case of asking the right questions at the start. Realistically, we actually turned down a good number of projects. For us, the projects have to work for us as well, as as well as the client. This is We definitely want to go in this as a two-way relationship. It's not just they're throwing us work, we're doing it and billing them. It's, it's a two-way relationship. So actually getting a bit of a structure around the questions you ask. And even in the first emails, if someone fires you an email about possible new website, possible new projects, asking the right questions at that point about what's the size of their marketing team? How much effort are they willing to spend on the website? If you're going to do a meeting every week, like are they willing to actually put in the time every week to have that meeting? It's all good you being there, but if they're not there as well, then there's no point in doing it. So if you almost can collate those sort of questions and think about the sort of people you want to work with and it is a really it's a challenging thing it's also it takes a lot of almost not bravery that's kind of the wrong word but just stubbornness to actually really just be be able to turn down the people that aren't quite right and we definitely had clients which probably haven't been right for us at the very start and we kind of needed the money we needed the revenue to keep the agency going or just to pay the bills etc etc but as soon as you kind of get the 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 clients that you want and you have a good way of growing smoothly it, it kind of solves itself in that regard because you're not taking on the clients that you don't need obviously there's always challenges around what happens if you can't find the clients in xyz the really the for us because we've got this maintenance sort of mentality to to how we work and the amount we're billing, the amount we pay our staff, the amounts we have in offices, all that sort of stuff, we kind of have a bit of a buffer when it comes to those things. So in theory, we could lose one or two maintenance contracts before there'd be big impacts. We haven't really lost any clients ever. So, so it's one of those things that it's <laughs> it's just, it, it's there. It's this, that sort of careful planning and Again, there's a lot of challenges in there, even when it comes to the level of work you have to do before you get to that sort of critical mass of of being able to work in a in a comfortable way that isn't stressed or strained or no late nights and and all that sort of stuff. All that's kind of behind us now in regards to we have quite good we have a really good culture, but when it comes to the amount of people expected to work late and all that stuff, that's kind of out the window. People work a regular sort of nine to five. And it really just is a case of being structured, being careful, and just getting, just asking the clients the right questions at the start, I think is a key to that. What's your thought? I know a lot of people, again, this is is probably just my own uh, bias, well, my own Twitter bias, just seeing what's happening in Twitter stream, listening to, you know, to other prolific designers, developers, agency owners are like, oh, you never discount your stuff, like never your stuff, you know, charge value, charge as much as you can, et cetera, et cetera. But for those of us, coming up in the space to me like if you want to achieve a certain type of customer and follow a certain set of products say somebody wanted to copy exactly what you did but they've they don't have the portfolio to up their you know their their talk they don't have you know the clients etc etc i i i don't see it 
being bad to say, hey, Mrs. Customer, look, normally I would charge you $10,000 for this project, but we're going to remove, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it to you for a half. Here's all the things I would normally do in this process. We're not going to do that. I just want to let you know, this is how I would normally operate. Like these like milestones we have mm. to hit, these meetings we have to do. Like still being able to present it, if even if you're not ready to charge for it yet, Right, yeah, maybe yeah. the the customer doesn't have it there, but you set those boundaries to say, look, in a perfect project, if uh, here's how I operate, I do all these things. If you don't, if you can't adhere to this, if you don't have the the money for it, we'll take this off the table. But this is this is the way we would want to operate. I mean, is that a fair way to do it? Is is there a better strategy other than just like crossing your fingers and hoping you get to the next level? Yeah, no, I, I completely get it. And and from my perspective, we kind of even we're, we're not a massive agency we're it's still relatively small but we'd still do that regularly it's not a case of we're not discounting the amount we charge but we're just delivering less so so for us we have this right. more phased approach so most of the time with with a website it's very hard to get an mvp like a minimal viable product from a website a website kind of has to be almost perfect <laughs> to be kind of usable you can't just have a half designed website or half built website it just won't be it won't be acceptable for a client but if you can start to sort of chunk up some of those features like maybe the way that the products are sold or the types of subscriptions you're selling and all those things if you can break those down to features which might be done in the future that's kind of how we sort of tackle maybe projects that have slightly smaller budget or clients that just want everything for no money. That's the real thing. That's a bit of a red flag when they have an expectation where they should be able to get everything for almost no money. That's for one, that's a red flag. But sometimes these clients might not actually know how much stuff costs. And you just have to really frame like, right, actually adding subscriptions to your website is an incredibly laborious task. It's not just the actual mechanism of taking subscriptions or the payment gateways or the automated emailing, it's all of every all that stuff. They might not even realize how difficult something is and they might just ask for it. So communicating with clients, making them understand how difficult something is to attain, chunking up features, getting a bit of a release schedule for the actual site in the long term is a better way of how we sort of tackle those things for the clients that might have either smaller budgets or just just have massive expectations for what they want for the budgets they have. So yeah, I would definitely say don't undersell yourselves in regards to like halving your day rate or those sort of things. It's just reducing what you're delivering. And we have definitely done that with reduced day rates in the past, but then there becomes really difficult conversations two years down the line when you go to just add something small to the site and then get shocked by the bill because you charged them XYZ two years ago. So being upfront about how much stuff costs is, is key. There's one our UX designer uses a tool um, called a Moscow document. Have you heard of that? I have no, not. So it's a document where you basically specify the musts, shoulds, coulds, won't and I think I said woulds. <laughs> yeah, let me just think. Let me just think. It's, it's must, shoulds, coulds, and won'ts. That's what it is. And that yeah. really breaks down everything. A full wish, wish list of what's available, and that really helps you sort of divvy up what's possible in this in this round. And then you can isolate stuff for the future that could be in another phase. And and that's a very clear, granular way of getting to what is then feasible for you to deliver in, in a budget. Yeah. Um, I, I want to tell a quick story and then you tell me if this is something you've ever had, you've ever do. First, one thing I do want to say to that on that regard is, look, there's a lot of people out there who 
who are trying to do all of this as efficient as possible, as streamlined as possible. You know, there's there's a there's a lot of you know, automating, having people fill out forms and get all the details before you know you even get the phone. Have a minimum on your quote request form that says, "Look, if you're not ready to spend five thousand dollars or more, then we're not a good fit." I, look, I've done that. I've done that fifteen thousand different ways. At the end of the day, if you just had a one-hour session with somebody, 30 minutes, one hour, one hour is generally really where I feel is the best, and you just talk to them, and you really find out whether or not you want to work with them. Right? 100%, yeah. That's just going to save you so much time in the future. A lot of people are like, oh, free consultation for an hour. Let me tell you something. It's going to save you in the long yeah, run. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Definitely learn what you're going Yeah, no, and, and I think the key part to this is, and especially with Atomic Smash in, in general, we're very open about our process. And if people want to ask us questions, we're very, very willing to answer them. And we're very willing to give away our tech stack and all that stuff. We're not precious about any of that stuff. So if a client wanted to talk through an idea, we're very willing to do it. And you, like you say, it's a case of you're spending an hour of your time. Your time is valuable. But the, the amount you can get out of just those small, short conversations is incredible when it comes to the whether you actually work out whether the client's right for you or whether they're whether you're right for them as well. But also just the mm-hmm. if because a lot of people don't aren't willing to do it, they'll you'll just resonate in their mind for a long time around this person was super helpful. It could be it could be three, four years down the line where they either get onto another project, they get employed by someone else, or they, they have another challenge they need to to sort. You'll just be at the forefront of their mind when it comes to that person was super useful at a time. Let's let's talk to them again. So I think for us, like you're saying, being super communicative and about people's requirements, talking to clients, and we don't really do much in the way of cold pitching, but when we really have to do it or we really want a project, we will just try and meet the clients face-to-face if we can, if we have to travel or whatever, just so we can get that eye-to-eye and, and real communication done because it is it's super valuable. What about firing clients? <laughs> you know, at my agency, helping out uh, there with a, that that came through the door. It was this high end. You know, I don't want to say high end. It was a, a notable customer in our local market. Um, it looked like a lucrative project from the beginning. Lucrative in the sense of like, look, we knew we felt like it was going to be. Pro- you know, that it looked like things were going to be fairly efficient. It was partnering up with another design agency, so this our agency would only be doing development. And man, did that go south (laughs) (laughs) quickly. We quickly learned like this was certainly this wasn't even the project we spent that first hour talking about it. it, We quickly realized this is this wasn't even what we discussed. And we, you know, we, you know, sat and we bared it out for a little bit and we started doing the deliverables that they were asking for. And it it was just too many different changes. Expectations on our side changed dramatically to the point where we said, you know what? Uh, difference of professional opinions and how this project should move forward. I think we yeah. should like, you know, and everyone actually kind of agreed because there was just so much tension mm. every time we, we got on phone calls. Uh, thoughts on, on firing clients, when to fire. Yeah, no, definitely. Clients. We have done, and especially sort of going back to almost those sort of comments at the start regarding about halving your day rate and say, saying we've done those sort of things. We reduce our day rate in particular instances. And we've got to the point now where we have to have a certain day rate because it's not affordable for us to have a lower day rate. So 
some of the times communicating with those clients and actually coming to them with a newer, more realistic day rate, they're not willing to pay it. So <clears throat> you're in a bit of a sort of difficult situation there where they want work doing, but you're too expensive. And that's just a natural break at that point. But when it comes to us sort of moving on, uh, we'd just be super helpful as possible and try not to burn any bridges or do anything in that regard. Just, just really be as proactive and helpful, even though in theory it's a lost client, you're not going to get anything from them. Just being as, as approachable and as helpful, even with the person you're handing the stuff off to, just be as helpful as possible. That's what we really right. try and um, do. Again, it hasn't happened that much, but it's definitely happened in the last like two, three years where <clears throat> we just needed, it just wasn't either the right clients. Some we took on when we were a lot smaller, the ratio was slightly different. They had a different expectation of how much we could deliver in a time frame. Or it's very, it's very likely that's going to happen in the lifespan of an agency. It'd be very rare for that not to happen. So I think as long as you can approach a lot of those communications, a lot of those talks and a lot of that communication around it is with as much grace and as much positivity as possible, even though it's a breaking of relationship, I think it would just pay dividends again for the future and Again, when you're handing off to that other developer and you're respectful of their time and and what you're giving to them as well, pe- people notice that stuff. They really do. And and if you need a partnership in the future, they might be the th- people that actually, oh, I remember working with them or we got this project that was really well set up and really well built. Maybe we could use them as a supplier, all that sort of stuff. It just not burning bridges is a key to a lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of final question here for folks who are, again, looking to grow their consultancy or their agent, where do you see opportunity in the WordPress space? I'll start where I think there's a lot of opportunity still. For me, it's it's still WooCommerce, mm. right? I still think launching WooCommerce still the sleeper mm. in the industry, that, there, that there's still oppor- a lot of opportunity in that space, a lot of opportunity to specialize in the space. And it's you know going to be, hopefully, and you can speak on this better than I can. Hopefully it's a type of customer that is willing to see value in building out yeah. you know, an e-commerce store, having a better solution, not just a mom and pop restaurant. Definitely. This is an e-commerce store that's going to be earning you money. That's where I see opportunity. I don't know. What about you? You don't have to give away your secret no, sauce no, here, and, but <laughs> No, again, again really just around the secret sauce thing. We don't really, we're very willing to give away that stuff. For us, it is our sort of perfect client and this could be a WooCommerce store. This could be a web, just their website, their sales platform. It it just needs, they need to know, realize the actual potential of, of what their website can be. And it's not just this brochure. It is a platform they can use to generate money for them. And it's the thing that's there 24 hours a day. Like this is the basic selling pitch of what a website could be. But it really is a case of if they notice the value and they know the value of their website and they they're willing to invest in it. That's the that's the sort of niche of of where we we've kind of landed is finding those clients that understand that websites are never finished. They need evolving to stay on top. They understand that right. This is almost equivalent, like especially if you're a shop. This is almost equivalent to having a physical shop. You have to be willing to pay rent. You have to be willing to to work out how you manage your stock. All that sort of stuff is part and parcel for owning a website. It's not just you launch this thing. It's then sits online for free and then you can just generate a load of money. It needs maintenance. It needs optimizing. And that's where I really see a lot of the, for us, the value in our, in our clients and, and where we've actually got a, more of that sort of security from is finding those clients that just, that 
understand the value of the website and are willing to invest back in it. And some of those people have been membership sites that are getting a recurring revenue. And that becomes far easier when you've got a number at the end of the month, you're definitely getting in every single month. They can say, right, we're going to put 20%, 10%, 30%, whatever, back into the website to then keep it growing. And that becomes a conversation you can have around you can actually see the budgets that are available for you and, and all that sort of stuff that's what transparency is really healthy and optimization is a real thing for us and that can be page speed or again sales or there's, there's amazing tools out there there's one which we use quite regularly called Matoric, which is a sales aggregator for woocommerce specifically i think they're just about to get a shopify release as well but that's amazing at producing sales reports finding out what's what's working well on your on your store has a bit of an ai component for forecasting all that sort of stuff bundling utilizing a tool like that for us takes hardly any time to install set up it's not that much a month but we help digest that information and and, and help our clients use that information to get i don't know more efficiencies back in their site He's David Dark. His website is atomicsmash.co.uk. The Twitter handle at Atomic Smash. Is that actually a photo of the? Yeah, it is. The yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah. It's, that, okay, not not just some no, unsplashed no, no. clip that, art here. I think that is me in the middle. I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome stuff. Where can folks, aside from the website atomicsmash.co.uk, where can folks find you? To really, say just Twitter. Just yeah, I'm on Twitter, David underscore Dark, and that's Dark with an E on the end. But yeah, just just say hello on the on the Twitter. That'd be great. Just to reach out. Just yeah, that's, that'd be fantastic. Everybody else, it's MattReport.com. MattReport.com slash subscribe to join that mailing list. Leave us a five star review on iTunes. Really helps us get found. We are the number one rated. Uh, podcast for WordPress entrepreneurs in the U.S. You know, I get to switch my iTunes account to London. See what <laughs> happens. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what my ratings are in the U.K., but maybe we can we 